0: May it please the court, my name is Lester Marston. I'm the attorney representing Jessica Jackson, the appellant in this case, and I'd like to reserve four minutes of my
1: time for Alright, watch the clock, counsel. Did you, didn't you have, oh, it's on the other side that yeah, it splitting says? Splitting time. Okay, splitting time. We sought to
0: hold the federal officials in this case in contempt of the district court's final judgment and order, the order that was entered in 1979 and the judgment that was entered in 1983. And what did the judgment say? In order to understand the judgment, I have to give you a little bit of history about how the judgment came about.
2: Well, we know the facts, counsel, in this case, so you have limited time, so probably it's better for you to just get into your argument, because we're aware of the facts and the trust status and the request, the order that the government didn't, Fulfill its obligations. So we, so, we are aware of all of that.
0: Thank you, Your Honor. So I'll be, I'll be brief. So the breach, the violation of federal law was the government taking the reservation land out of government ownership and giving it to the Indians. So the district court used its inherent equitable authority to fashion a remedy. Well, it wasn't
2: exactly taking it out of the – it was not fulfilling all the conditions that went with taking the – well, I won't quibble about that, but that's neither here nor there in terms of Ms. Jackson's claim.
1: Well, see, I, I, I guess I would say I do not think that the question before the district court was whether the BIA should have granted McLeod's conveyance request, but rather whether Jackson proved by clear and convincing evidence that, one, the BIA violated the 1979 order, two, beyond substantial compliance, and three, not based on good faith and reasonable interpretation of the order. That's what I see as the issue.
0: Well, they did. Well, If, they, if they're – If they refuse to take
2: the property into trust and the judgment – Well, but that's what I
1: see as the issue. Right.
2: Only if they had an obligation to take that particular parcel back into trust because we're beyond the initial – And they did. And they did. Okay. Where because was the obligation to take that particular parcel back into
0: trust? The, the section, uh, paragraph uh, 8F of the judgment that placed a continuing obligation on the United States government to put back into trust any property That an Indian of the rancheria who was listed in the distribution plan, who still had an ownership interest in the property, requested that the government put back into trust. Because remember, the judgment, what the court was trying to do was void the termination process. So the court wanted to give the Indians the option not the government the option, the Indians the option to void the termination and put the property into trust.
2: Go
3: ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the government could not take, the BIA could not take the property back into trust because Ms. Jackson did not timely attempt to convey it and never asked for an extension.
0: That's not correct. The facts of the case are this. Amardine Jackson, within one year from the date of the entry of the judgment, exercised her option and requested that the property be returned to trust status. At that point, the Bureau had a mandatory, non-discretionary duty to put the property back into trust. They prepared the deed, sent it to Ms. Jackson for her to date it and sign it and return it to the government. And if she would have done that, the government would have accepted the deed and put the property back into trust. Unfortunately –
2: there was – wasn't there in in 1981 is that what you're talking about? In 1981, the BIA mailed the grant deed, it said, but she allegedly didn't receive the grant deed. Is, is that what you're talking about? Yes, but you, you're, you're slightly mistaken. She made her
0: election. The government sent her a deed, and after the government sent her a deed, she changed her mind. She didn't change her mind to put the property into trust. She changed her mind as to who she wanted the property to go into trust for. Instead of her and her husband, she wanted the property to go into trust for her two daughters and reserve a life estate.
2: Well, I thought so, the record was that the BIA never received a signed grant deed. No. From, the, from, from, from McLeod.
0: No, that's 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 not true, Yarn. The record that
2: not only the not, well,
3: it was untimely.
0: No. <laughs> If I if I if if I can ex- explain, the judgment gets entered. The Indians have one year to make their election.
2: Right.
0: Miss Jackson makes her election within the one-year time period. Mm-hmm. And the, what was the, supposed
2: to happen after after she made her election?
0: The government prepares a deed. Mm-hmm. Says, uh, Amherstine Jackson grants to the United States of America and trust. Uh, to Amerdeen Jackson and her husband, because that's that was the election she made. I
2: thought the issue, her name was McLeod.
0: Uh, Amerdeen Jackson McLeod Snow, to be exact right? okay. She was married three times. Mm-hmm. I used Jackson because I th- was hoping it would be well, e- easier for the Well, that's confusing with the court. plaintiff.
2: That's confusing because the isn't the daughter Jackson as yes, well? Yes,
0: Jessica Jackson. Right. That's why no. I used Jackson. That's I, thought I it used McLeod
2: for the mother. Yes. Jackson for the uh, daughter
0: so Emer D MacLeod made her election the government sent her, sent her the deed and as I said if she would have signed it and, and, and okay. dated the deed and sent it back okay. to the government government would have accepted it probably would have happened? Given trust what happened uh, so so what happened was she got the deed and she decided she didn't want to convey it to her back to herself and her husband she wanted to give it to her two daughters right so she sat on the deed right okay but she had made her election within the one-year time period.
2: But if you don't effectuate that, well, the election well, is not
0: made. So, so, so the the, the one-year time period. The only relevance of the one-year time period is that once the one-year time period expires, the county can start taxing the property again because it's in fee, and the government no longer has a mandatory duty to pay for the costs to put the property into trust. They still have a mandatory duty to take it into trust. That's their continuing obligation. So when Amadine Jackson <coughs> went back into California Indian Legal Services to Mr. Rapport and said, I want to convey it to my daughter, he prepared the deed. She signed it. She sent it up. She, uh, the BIA got the deed. And Mr. Rapport said, you have a continuing obligation to take this property into trust. The BIA agreed. Virginia Carpenter, the realty officer, said, yes, we'll take it into trust. Then they said, oh, wait a minute.
1: You have to pay the taxes.
0: you got to pay the taxes. And so Amberdeen Jackson contested that. She took an administrative appeal. That took time. Uh, but ultimately, the Interior Board of Indian Peers ruled against her and said, BIA, you got to take the property in trust, but you don't have to pay for the taxes or for any of the other costs that would have to be incurred in order to put the property into trust. Amberdeen Jackson was going to pay the taxes, send them up. She died.
2: Right
3: right so but, but the the okay, you keep telling me that I'm wrong, but i i, it, I apologize no to you, no i to uh, okay look i I don't take it as disrespect and no disrespect. I, we're here to have a discussion, and I respect you, and I appreciate what you say to me, and I'm not in but the the problem that I see is that there there was a lot of 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 this sort of back and forth and in non compliance, not just by the uh your your client's uh, mother, but but by the BIA as well. Ms. Jackson McCloud received the 79 order November 23 of 1981, waited a year to send the letter to the Bureau of Indian Affairs requesting the restoration of Parcel parcel 5 to trust status. Now, that was a year, that was more time than she was entitled to. Notwithstanding that, as you say properly, the BIA did prepare a grant deed and sent it to her with the instructions for her to complete it. Now, all this other stuff that you just mentioned did happen with the taxes and the uh, 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 additional time, but the BIA didn't get the executed grant deed to restore the parcel until tw- uh, January 25, 1988, more than four years after 1983's judgment and nine years after the 79 order. So even though everything you say is true, legally the district court didn't have any uh, time compliance from Ms. Jackson McLeod to look at when entering the order of dismissal.
0: That's not true. There's no, there was no time period. Look at the judgment. There's no time period in the judgment for an Indian to exercise their option to put their property into trust. In fact, if you read the judgment, it makes it very clear that at any any time in the future, an original distributee or dependent member, an Indian of the reservation, acquires title to, to the land, goes back into the private marketplace and buys a piece of property on the reservation, they can exercise their option and request that the government take the property into trust. And the government has a mandatory continuing obligation to do so. They just don't have the obligation to pay for the costs associated with doing that. At
3: any time, time absent any communication that the client needs more time or an extension, at any time this can happen?
0: Yes, even now, even now under the judgment. And, And so Jessica Absolutely. Jackson, when she found out that the property wasn't in trust, she thought it was in trust because her mother told her she was, and yet her mother gave her a copy of the deed. She didn't know the BIA hadn't accepted it. She came in to see me, and so we went to the Bureau of Indian Affairs, Troy Burdick from the, uh, the Superintendent of Central California Agency, mm-hmm. and we requested under paragraph 8f uh, that the, under the government's continuing obligations, they take the property into trust. But then that Mr- brings us to the probate complication. Well, no, there wasn't any appropriate complication. Let me just finish my thought and I'll address that issue, Your Honor. So, Troy Burdick came back and said, okay, Ms. Jackson, we have a continuing obligation. We'll put the property into trust. But you gotta pay, you gotta clear the property taxes and do everything else. If you look at the judgment, the judgment provides for that. It says, it says that, you know, the, the, the part, the Indians and the government are free to enter into agreements to accomplish a trust restoration. And the government and Ms. Jackson entered into a series of agreements. That process lasted seven and a half years. During the course of that seven and a half years, the government, not once, not twice, not three times, but four times, assured Miss Jackson that they were going to accept the deed, provided that Miss Jackson paid for the cost. And reliance on those representations, uh, to her detriment, she reached into her pocket. And she's not a rich person. She's a poor Indian. Right, she right. reached into her pocket. She paid the back taxes up, not once, not twice, but three times, because every time she'd pay the back taxes to clear it, the government would kind of to sit and take its time or there would be ter- turnovers and more taxes would accrue. But she paid the taxes. She paid for the preliminary title report. She paid to have the property evaluated so the so that the title insurance company could issue the title insurance policy. She hired her lawyer to go into state court to make sure that, that the state court judge knew that this process was occurring, that it's the state a court a cannot exercise jurisdiction arg-
3: over the property. A powerful argument, and your client presents very sympathetically. So, I ask you, does the government have dirty hands when it comes to court today to rely on these time limits?
0: Yes, I think they do. This is the dirty hands. They, sh- they shouldn't have, For s- first of all, Emmerdeen Jackson made a timely election. That placed the duty on the government under the judgment. Yes, it took time for her to change who the grantees were and to to get the deed back up, but there's no time limit uh, in the judgment on the Indians exercising their option. Once Jessica Jackson came to them and made the request, if the government wasn't going to put the property into trust and accept the deed, then they shouldn't have said they were. They repeatedly told her, Yes, we're going to take the property into trust. In fact, the, the, the government came, <clears throat> the government got ready to take the property into trust and they weren't sure whether the National Environmental Policy Act applied to the fee to trust transfer. So they went to their solicitor's office and they said, "Is this a mandatory acquisition under the judgment?" Or do you have discretion? The solicitor came back and said, this is a mandatory a- acquisition. The Department of Interior itself interpreted the judgment the way we interpreted the judgment.
2: Also, did you want to save any time for rebuttal?
0: I, I did. Let me. I'll just finish my statement. She- they-, they said, we're going to take the property into trust and we'll tell you in 30 days how long it's going to take us to do it. They came back and said, we'll put the property into trust in 90 days. And then they turned around and refused to take the property into trust. All yes?
2: Right. The Thank government you. did
0: not meet its fiduciary obligations. Thank, Thank, you, Thank
2: you, counsel.
4: Good morning. May I please the court? My name is Michael Pyle. I'm an assistant and United States Attorney. I represent the United States and the federal government of appellees. And we uh, believe the district court made a dispositive factual finding that at the time McLeod died in 2001, the property was held by her in fee. It was not in trust with the United States. There's overwhelming evidence in the record to that effect. The opposing
2: counsel's argument is that it should have been in fee. The government was obligated to take the property in trust, and so de facto it was a trust land. So what's your response to his argument?
4: The response is, as the district court recognized, there is no such thing as a, as a unilateral – uh Indian decision to put property in trust. It must be accepted by the United States.
1: Didn't the government the ex- like sit around for two years and then do nothing and then then it went into the whole problem of then there's the taxes and then there's this and
4: the the, the problem we have is we're talking about um, decisions and things that happened in the nineteen eighties and the only evidence I have about what happened then is in a brief that McLeod filed administratively, which lays out her version of, of uh, her alleged election and the efforts and the fact that she changed her mind about what she wanted to do. And but so it there appears was a long delay. in
1: 1988 she did everything she was required to do to trigger the secretary's legal obligation to restore the parcel. She, she did and not, so what's your best argument why the district court did not abuse its discretion with respect to the 1988 conveyance?
4: Because the nineteen eighty-eight alleged conveyance it it was not effective and that was litigated administratively within the agency. The agency ruled against um, Ms. McLeod. McLeod never uh, uh, appealed that further administratively to the Interior Board of um, uh, Indian and the, Affairs and didn't file a timely lawsuit or so go what to was court. the purpose
1: of the nineteen ninety-three stipulated judgment? The the
4: nineteen ninety-three
1: Wasn't there a stipulated judgment in 1993?
4: There's a 1979. There's a 1983, which we believe the 1983 judgment is the the operative judgment in terms of our obligations.
1: Okay, maybe I wrote the date down wrong.
4: And then there's a a 93 court order um, regarding some other proceedings that, that again, just provides context for uh, the litigation. But it's really the 1983 judgment that sets the uh, obligations and rights and responsibilities of the parties.
2: So it's your position that unless the government accepts the – formally accepts the property, it is still in fee to the
4: individual? Correct. And the agency was transparent about this. A year after uh, McLeod died in 2002, the agency sent an uh, official communication to DeWald saying, we, the agency, have researched this. There are no trust assets. For McLeod, you need to go to state probate court to, to administer so the estate. when
2: So when the government researched it, what were you looking for to determine whether or not it was a trust asset? What would have conveyed to you that it was a trust asset?
4: Um, you know there's a trust asset because there'd be a deed to the United States of America, and then importantly, attached to that deed, there'd be something called an acceptance of conveyance, mm-hmm. which is a – a document signed by a government official saying, on behalf of the United States, we agree to take this this property into trust on behalf of the United States.
2: So there would be a conveyance deed from the Native American person to the government, and then with that conveyance deed, there would be an acceptance from the government, and those two documents would be together. Correct. And absent those two documents appearing in the record, it's your position that no property has been taken into trust.
4: Correct. I, I And I think there's agreement on that, that, that at the time McLeod died, the property was not in trust, it was in right. fee. Well, opposing and
2: counsel's position is that the government had a mandatory duty to accept the deed and, and, and because of the or prior order. They had a continuing obligation. What's your response to that, that you just didn't effectuate what you were required to do?
4: Because the the judgment has two provisions that I think are important. One, it says that not, that obligation applies whenever it's possible to do so. And it also says that the um, secretary can accept or reject uh, as to form. And the, the problem by, with it not having been perfected before McLeod died, that just, McLeod's death becomes the dispositive legal event because she died. Uh, she didn't have a will. And so that property becomes part of her estate. DeWald goes to probate court to try to get the, um, property probated.
3: Can I, can I just, as a matter of clarity, uh, the 81 judgment, when you say the judgment that, and the provisions you just cited, that's the 81 judgment you're talking uh,
4: about?
3: 1983 judgment. 83, okay,
1: right. Not the 79. So the sisters have different views about this but is this an amicable dispute or is it what is this has tax consequences i guess whether you go through probate or whether you're in the trust or or is it is what's what's at the bottom here
4: uh it it seems to the agency that there's not a lot of love between the the two sisters and the the issue that the agency flagged in 2002 and again in 2010 and then 2012 is that Essential to any request to put uh, property into trust, the government needs to know who owns this this parcel. That's in their regulations, and I think it's common sense that you got to know who who owns this parcel, and and only a state probate court can can make that decision. There's Dewald, there's Jackson, there's a brother, there's a, a another sister who who died and had a couple of children, and that that seems to be the universe of potential heirs that have an interest in this property. And so, you know, as we sit here today, it, it doesn't seem that it would have been appropriate for the agency to, you know, transfer it to Jackson and cut out these other potential heirs. And
3: has the has the property been probated now? Is it, it established who, who who it
4: belonged to? no. Well, the it probate hasn't.
1: court's waiting for the federal court to say whether it belongs in trust, right?
4: Okay. Correct. And right. to. Um, okay. The the federal court's order here um, makes that finding. There's another piece of litigation, um, DeWald versus Jackson, that's a separate piece of litigation that that raises the same question, and they file a stipulation that if the judge hearing the contempt matter resolved it, then that will also resolve the that other piece of litigation. And so this, to me, seems a very unusual case where, You can affirm the judgment of the district court, and that affirmance actually allows things to move forward. It allows the probate court to resolve who owns the property, and then the owners of the property can come and um, apply to the agency to take it into trust if that's what they want to do. And the district court... So if what the appellant
1: is asking us to put it in trust of the name of the two sisters and then that automatically cuts the other ones out is that or how does that work
4: uh, i would believe so please well, he's
1: nodding his head so
4: um i it, it is seem that that's a very intentional part of this is is that jackson is trying to do an end run around probate by trying to get a federal court to um, Order the government to take it into property for um, Jackson and not the other, uh, any of the other potential heirs.
3: I have a quick question. Uh, assume everything uh, that your uh, brother counsel said to be true, and that the government has—I uh, know this would be a tough assumption for you—the government has dirty hands. Uh, the, the, the time deadlines were uh, a re- result of uh, government uh slowdowns and mismanagement and refusal to uh file documents whatever the case may be is that uh a ground for a court of appeals to uh force a district court to hold uh the agency in contempt as a legal matter um, cuz that's what we're talking about I, here
4: I, I don't think so and and uh the the district court judge, if the district court judge thought that the government had acted in in bad faith and had dirty hands, I I think that would have been reflected in the court's thinking and that there's nothing like that in what the court said at the hearing or um, uh, included in the (coughs) order.
3: There's no new arguments here on appeal. I mean, these deadlines and and, uh, refusals of the BIA to take the property into trust over time was well known to the district judge when Refusing to
4: enter the contempt order, correct, and that and that's part of the standard of review is that district courts are are well equipped to judge whether someone has violated uh, an order of the district court, and and I think also importantly the district court stated quite clearly at the hearing that um, she wants to set this on the right path to you know have the probate court make a decision that there be an application to the agency, and she said explicitly if the agency. Uh, in processing the application, does something that isn't, you know, a justified decision to deny it or reject it or ask for information, that she's open to hearing again from the parties about the the matter. So it seems affirming um, moves, moves the matter forward and protects everyone's interests uh, in terms of finding who the owners of the property are and then um, allowing those people to make a decision about, what they want to do in terms of putting the
5: property in trust. All
2: right. Thank you, counsel.
5: Thank you. Good morning, Your Honors. Uh, Jack Duran, uh, appearing on behalf of the uh, intervener um, and also the uh, administratrix of um, the, uh, uh, the uh, McLeod estate uh, in Lake County. Uh, may I proceed? Yes, please. Great. Uh, Judge Callahan, you had asked a question about the uh, relationships between the sisters and the family it's a total disaster. Um, they are at each other, back and forth, and I think that's really the impetus of a lot of what's going on here. Um, I think, uh, you know, to, to clarify uh, what had happened, I, I think a, a review of the uh, 1994 uh, Pacific Regional Director's uh, decision kind of sets forth what happened here. Uh, and there is, honestly, blame on both sides. But at the end of the day, you know, the department can only the Department of Interior can only take uh, trust according to the statutes that are out there, and there are certain requirements that are need needed to to take th- that into trust. And one of those requirements was that the whole tax issue; those taxes were never paid. She decided to go ahead and and contest that. Notice that she didn't contest that until 1994, um, at which time in also in 1994. Um, the decision came down and told you know saying that you know we 're not going to take it into trust for these reasons um, at that point in time she had an obligation in order to move forward with this to file a, a case with the uh, Interior Board of Indian Appeals uh, to perfect her right to file a case in federal court, and she didn't do that. And it's See, uh, we have
1: the BIA and immigration cases, and then we have the BIA here, so we have the <laughs> kind of code switch here.
5: Exactly. So, yeah. so if you look at the if you look at the administrative record, um, uh, administrative record that we filed, uh, number fifty nine clearly states it's been a year since we issued our, um, you know, or more than ninety days since we issued our decision. Uh, there has been no uh, appeal to the to the Indian uh, Appeals Board. Um, so for the, so therefore, um, she has failed uh, her predecessor. This isn't even Mrs. McLeod or you know the, the, the uh, Mrs. Jackson here. Um, this all relates back to the to the to the mom. Um, so there has not been any exhaustion of her administrative appeals, and she can't at this point in time. The second issue is on top of that is the statute of limitations. Um, it's very clear that the six-year statute of limitations does apply uh, to Indian tribes and to Indian lands. And that was directly from uh, a case that this court, court decided in uh, 2017. That's the Meshiwa Wapo versus Ryan Zinke.
2: But doesn't the order impose a continuing obligation?
5: Well, the- uh, and, and I'm getting to that.
4: Okay. They
5: actually, in this case, okay, to to yeah, it. yeah. In, in this case, and this is analogous to that whole continuing obligation, that um, the court decided that the statute of limitations applies uh, when there is a trust issue, a breach of trust. And uh, it applies especially when the government uh, is being sued. And in that particular case, the tribe was seeking restoration for things that had happened 30 years ago, and the court, this court said, no, we're not going to do it. Six years have passed. If you look at the timelines here from um, when this started, you're either looking at a 34-year past the statute of limitations or 17 years. But in any event, either or, she's passed the statute but of limitations. How can the
2: statute of limitations run from an order that imposes a continuing obligation?
5: Well, it's, it, it, it's similar to the fiduciary duty that's owed to Indian tribes. And that's basically what the mashiwa Wapo case said, and they were arguing a similar line. But that's line. in the
2: abstract. This is a, a concrete document that imposes a continuing obligation as long as it's possible to take the land in trust. So I'm not sure that I'm persuaded that it's the same.
5: Well, the the continuing obligation isn't you know, just an amorphous uh thing. The continuing obligation has to have sideboards. And that's why we're saying that once the uh once the interior Department of Interior made a determination that something was missing, that, that um their continuing obligation ended. Now, um, one more thing before I before I uh, go. Uh during the during the hearing, basically the court or the uh United States represented to the court that after the probate issues There is still an obligation, and they still will work with the parties for whoever wants to put their parcel in trust with the United States. So So accepting
2: the obligation. There is a remedy. Thank you so much. Thank you, counsel. Rebuttal.
5: I'll be as brief and fast
0: as I can, Your Honors. First of all, you're absolutely right, Your Honor. It's a judgment. It's a permanent judgment in in the nature of a permanent injunction. And until... And and that stays in effect forever. Or or until
2: the court is satisfied that the injunction has been, the purposes of the injunction have been served and dissolves the injunction.
0: But the court retained jurisdiction in this case for the very purpose of ensuring compliance with the government's continuing obligation. That's that's, that's number one. Number two, the administrative appeal that was taken by Ammerdeen Jackson had nothing to do with the request to put the property into trust. She demanded that the government, under the judgment, pay the back taxes. And when the government refused, she took an administrative appeal from that decision. So the administrative appeal has no application or relevance in this case. This was a judgment. The government wanted to take away the secretary's discretion. They wanted to give the Indians the right to void the termination process and to put the property into trust. This is not a dispute among sisters. Amberdeen Jackson, their mother, went in and executed a deed in front of notary public, David Rapport, her lawyer, explaining to her lawyer that she wanted this property to be returned to the ownership of the government and trust for her two daughters. Counsel, so what's your response state.
2: to the government's position that the land is not legally in trust until there is a grant deed Conveyed and an acceptance of that conveyance in the record. What's your uh, response? My response is they don't have any
0: d- discretion not to accept the deed as long as.
2: Is it your position? There was a grant deed. Yeah, offered absolutely, absolutely. The deed in the date? record. Pardon me. What date, in your view, was the grant deed offered? I think I said it before. That, 80, uh, eighty-eight. Right. So you're saying that the deed that was offered in eighty-eight.
0: January twenty fifth, nineteen eighty eight. It's in the administrative record of page one hundred thirty six. Okay. So that's the
2: deed that you're saying conveyed the property and trust. All right. So the she executed the deed, the
0: government had the obligation, and the and the only thing in the judgment that prevented the government from accepting the deed was making sure the government has a right to make sure that she owns the property free and clear, that it's not – there's not tax liens on it. There's not – she hasn't mortgaged it to a bank, and so the government's entitled to a preliminary title report, title insurance, and All those right. things.
2: we understand your argument, counsel. You've exceeded your time. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you to both counsel. The case just argued yes. is submitted for a decision by the court. <coughs>